Welcome, everyone, to the Pod After Touchdown, P-A-T for short, fantasy football podcast. I am Andrew Mackins, joined by my co-host Sam Hoppen, and we are through week 13. Can you believe it? Dear Lord, it's December already. The fantasy football playoffs are upon us, and we we obviously took off last week because of Thanksgiving, and I was uh, prancing around Tokyo with... <laughs> People who care pretty much zero about football at all, um, but caught some of the late evening games because it was morning time there uh, at that time, but uh, didn't quite make the podcast. But we're back, we're ready, we're better than ever, and ready to give you some spicy (laughs) takes and great advice to help you win you those chips. Do they celebrate Thanksgiving in Japan? They do not. So I missed out on all the, the turkey and the stuffing and the Oh, I'm sure you feasted stuffing enough. and yeah, had a lot of great sushi, some great ramen, uh, lots of lots of very very good rice and very different breakfasts over there yeah. as well. But uh, <laughs> so definitely an interesting trip for you. It sounds uh, like a great and trip, fun trip. But I'm glad to be back. Yeah, glad to be. In the playoffs in all of my four leagues, which is Ooh. fantastic. Uh, won't get Toot into your own horn a little bit more. Your uh, <laughs> legal record loss this week. But um, how was your Thanksgiving? It was good. I uh, won some money that I already blew again on draft from those Thursday games. But when you put in enough lineups on three games, it's bound to happen. Uh, and ultimately, the, the Sunday is kind of disappointing from not making some fantasy leagues or making some playoffs, and it really was, you know, like I said, interesting trip for you and an interesting week in fantasy. We, we could say a weird week again, because uh, I know you texted me, wow, the, the Redskins, the Dolphins, and the Bengals all won their games, which we did not expect. And, and I feel like it's the third time, at least this, se- this season, that we've said, oh yeah, that was a weird week of fantasy, like things didn't go the way we expected, and I it, mean, it kind of makes it just the whole season's been weird. In I, retrospect, that's fantasy football for you, and, and we should yeah, ex- I guess. expect weird to be the normal at, at, at any given week. It you know, it's any given Sunday, anything can happen. Uh, yeah, you know, three terrible teams can beat actually decent teams, and you can plan and prepare and predict as much as you want, but that can all get flipped on a switch as quick as. Sushi goes down into my belly. <laughs> it, it's all a lie. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we're going to you know, start with our kickoff question as normal. DiGiorno, Players of the Week, recap the last two weeks and do some key takeaways as opposed to recap what we were paying attention for. And then we're going to focus on the playoffs as a whole and kind of give you a preview of what moves you can make now to help you win those games or, you know, prevent you from getting a sacko. That, uh, that as well. Very <laughs> so good point. let's kick off. The quick kickoff question for this week is, what players have the potential to be league winners this year? Yeah, so this is, you know, you get those lists every year at the, at the end of the season of players on the highest percent, percentage of championship and playoff rosters. And I, I already mentioned Philip Lindsay a couple weeks ago, um, obviously based on the beer bet that I made with you uh, before Thanksgiving. I, I also think Darius Geis could be 
mm-hmm. a guy. He's he's shown up very well. I think if you have him, he's likely a flex on your roster at this mm-hmm. point because you picked him up off the waiver wire and hope you know hopefully you had running back figured out by then and he's shown he's got a high ceiling based on the production he's had the past couple weeks the peripheral numbers don't look great because he had the second most carries this past week and had the third most snaps on the Redskins this past week as well but he, he can be explosive. The Redskins are still technically in the playoff hunt. Uh. Could uh, could potentially win that division. <laughs> That's so gross. Um, okay. It, it, outside of that, I think Devontae Parker could yep. be a di- huge difference maker. I mean, Fitzpatrick is playing well. Fitzmagic. It, Fitzmagic is, is playing <laughs> magically. Um, you know, it, at this point, Corey Davis probably just wishes he was. I was going to say that. Parker. I was thinking about that. Uh, Get this your Corey week, Davis like, shares now because oh. before long you won't be able to oh. when he has this <laughs> year <laughs> four breakout. That, that's the way you would think I would spin it, right? But what I was going to say is. Corey Davis is not Devontae Parker because Corey Davis could never do what Devontae Parker did this week. That, this that week. is very true. So that, I think I'm, I'm willing to, you know, I'm dead on that Corey Davis hill already. But I like, uh, I just checked the Philip Lindsay bet. He's still 14th and not top 10. So I'm kind of liking that. Uh, and when it comes to, you know, the matchups you mentioned with Geist, I like that in terms of his explosiveness. And obviously he's got fresh legs too. I don't think people think about that. As much, you know, they were injured before, but now <laughs> should be healthy. Uh, speaking of people that are healthy, Evan Ingram is a potential league winner for me um, because when he is healthy, when he's right, he is a difference maker on the field and he can get you a lot of fantasy points. It's going to be tougher with Sterling Shepard back now, too. Golden Tate, Darius Slayton could really uh, take targets away from Ingram, but at least at the tight end position, you know, if he's lingering out there, if you've kept him on your lineup, you've kept him there for a reason. So coming up with some good matchups, uh, same deal for Miles Sanders. I think he's going to get a lot of reps, especially with Jordan Howard continuing to be out. And we're going to keep talking about him, uh, I think, a couple other times on the, on the pod as well. So we can you know, potentially move on. So we just talked about players that we think are going to be great. Now let's get into our DiGiorno players who are not great. Potentially never great. And the reason I say that is because Ronald fucking Jones fucked your lineup this week. He missed a blitz pickup apparently early in this game. And Bruce Arians just said, you're done. You're not going to get any more carries. We're going to keep giving it to the old fuck Peyton Barber who went 17 carries for 44 yards. Pretty dog shit, to be honest. And I think, I know for a fact, actually, that Ronald Jones would have done better with those 17 carries. Peyton Barber gets two touchdowns as well. It's fucking trash that he fucked you on one play, and that's why your points for him got fucked. 0.8 points. Yeah, uh, you called Barber an old hag. Uh, yeah. Fun fact, you're older than him, so you're an older Fuck hag. Fuck off. No. Uh, my player is another collection of players. We talked about the Dolphins winning, and that was against the Eagles defense. Everyone counted on these guys to put up a great performance. They started with an interception and two sacks. In the first quarter, after that, they allowed 37 points and over 400 yards of offense to the Dolphins. I don't care <laughs> hey, how Fitz good Magic. Fitzpatrick is playing. It's the Miami <laughs> Dolphins for Pete's sake. Like, how do you play that well to start and then just end up with negative points for a defense? Not great, Bob. <laughs> Not great indeed. 
How the fuck is Peyton Barber 25? <laughs> that uh, I was quite surprised to see that as well. But it's he's got the name of a 30 year old. We're, we're, we're getting to that point in our lives where <laughs> we keep getting older, but they just stay the same age. So uh, <laughs> I heard. Uh, I heard. <laughs> It's a great reason I love fantasy football. Uh, no, I heard a great rule of thumb this week for, you know, some people have to take the grown men wearing jerseys, not, not a great look. Apparently the rule is if the person is older than you, you can wear their jersey. If they're younger than you, you should not be wearing their jersey. Oh, so that's, it's a, it's a, yeah, that's interesting. I, I, think, like that. I think it's a good take. I think that I got to check on whether... Um, it's a DeAndre Hopkins only a couple weeks older than me or a couple weeks younger than me because uh, I don't know how many players are going to be out there much longer that have an age older than us, at least the the superstars. He is uh, nine days younger, older than you. Older, older than, than me. You. Perfect. So uh, I can still look up to him. <laughs> yeah, you can wear that DeAndre Hopkins jersey that you don't have. Uh, why, don't, <laughs> why don't we get into our recap of the past two weeks and really just going to be focusing on some key takeaways a couple things that we noticed over the past couple weeks that we thought were notable and could and likely will impact the fantasy football landscape through the rest of the year because you know we we talked through fantasy week by week but what happened in weeks one through four are completely different than what's happening now. I mean, the Ravens were 2-2 two and two after four games, and now look at where they are. So good to, again, get a quick synopsis of what is important to us. And and I'll start by saying that the Titans are exciting? Question mark? Like, oh, hell yeah. Like, And it's not because of Arthur Smith or whatever his name is. Hey, someone's got to call the play. Apparently Marcus Mariota was the problem, and all they needed was a little injection of Ryan Tannehill up from South Beach, uh, playing as as well as he had in his entire career. Mm-hmm. Um, they have an identity. He can actually pass the ball. He can pass it much better than Mariota ever has. He's, right, but they're like a run-first team, They too, still are. Like pounding and the rock, and it I, opens up the pass. It, establish it, the run. <laughs> yeah, hashtag establish it. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I see Derrick Henry running the ball, and he still looks like a, a man amongst boys because mm-hmm. of how godly large he is um but you can uh, Tannehill. we'll get into him later with the qb streamers you can i think you can trust him derrick henley henry you can obviously trust i think aj brown is an interesting fill-in receiver if you need a high upside guy especially with the matchups that they have down the stretch but the the titans are playing well i mean from a real world perspective they're Likely going to take that, I, at this point, I think, probably take that sixth seed from the Raiders, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. But Oh, yeah. It, it's, th- this isn't your, this isn't your father's Titans team, <laughs> your, your classic nine and six. They might well finish nine and seven, but it, it's a much more exciting brand of football yeah. that they're playing and much more fun to watch, especially when you do see or, uh, Tannehill driving down the field and giving Henry those opportunities to score touchdowns. Yeah, Henry, you're going to play every week, and I think the, the Tannehill-A.J. Brown uh, fill-ins are definitely sexy the next two weeks because you got Raiders and Texans. I think those Texans games could be potential shootouts the way the Titans are playing, so love to hear that. Um 
My big takeaways are all kind of a giant package, so why don't you keep rolling here? My second takeaway is, on the flip side, is that the Dallas Cowboys are struggling. And granted, they've played a couple tough defenses in the Patriots and the Bills out in on the, the East Coast there, but... Zeke is not, he's had as few touches in his career on a touch-per-game basis as he's had in the first four years of his career. Um, Amari Cooper just sort of vanishes into, you know, into oblivion and is no part of this offense. We talked a little bit ago about how Jason Witten is somehow still doing Jason Witten <laughs> things, which is absolutely ridiculous, but Dak Prescott has had... a couple decent games but if you've ridden the the Cowboys thus far into the playoffs you're you're probably don't have a better option than Amari Cooper maybe you do I mean would you consider putting in AJ Brown over Amari Cooper this week the the Cowboys play Chicago Thursday night and the Titans play they play the Raiders who have don't have as great a defense as I once thought. So where are you falling in that? It's tough. Uh, it, it comes, it's actually, this is a good segue for my big takeaway um, from multiple years of playing fantasy. Some mostly bad years, but some good years in there. And I think, and I think the biggest thing at this point in the season, no matter what's happened before, you're in the, you're either in the playoffs because you for the most part you trusted in something that you heard or someone like you just believed in a player and sticking with that player got you to where you are. So I think that you know talent should win out in general. So in in terms of your question, I'm probably rolling Amari Cooper before I'm rolling AJ Brown. Uh, you've got to have some I feel like some better options in there than just making that direct lineup swap. Um, it's a start your stud situation when it comes to the playoffs, and you're gonna feel less bad with the studs uh, in your lineup disappointing than being wrong about uh, a streaming option. So, I mean, maybe if you really like getting frisky and and putting, you're, you'd rather have the joy of getting that decision right, uh, and you don't care if you get it wrong, then AJ Brown roll with it. But my big ultimate takeaway, and, and we can work some of your other takeaways into this is it's about trust at this point or as Justin Tucker might say and I'm just looking at players that have been on your roster uh, either you picked them up or you finally waited for them to break out and going in these last three weeks you got to decide are you going to start them so running backs I think you can trust Miles Sanders we mentioned him before Devin Singletary, I think, has been getting a lot of work. Obviously, the Minnesota running backs, regardless of whether that's Dalvin Cook or Alexander Madison fitting in, he's flashed. Uh, and we mentioned Darius Geis. That, that one I'm more uncertain about whether you can trust him based on the, the volume numbers. Running backs you can't trust, obviously Tampa Bay and potentially Pittsburgh, depending on you know the carousel that they have going there. But I'm curious to what you think about that, uh, just focusing on the running back portion. So going back to your concept as a whole i mean put very simply it's a start your studs yes start men your studs. mentality but i you either one need to it if you're doing that it just 
potentially adjust expectations or recognize players that were once considered studs are no longer studs because someone like OBJ is, yes, he's a quote unquote stud. Like he is one of the right, most. Right, but electric- he didn't, if you have him on a team that's, and you're in the playoffs and he's on your roster somehow, he didn't, he's not one of those players that got you to the playoffs. I suppose, but you, you potentially won in spite of him. I mean, maybe it's someone like Joe Mixon too, who has underperformed this year. I think it just, Caution to players, uh, you know, or fantasy owners, I guess, of how you designate certain studs. Because again, that that does yeah. change throughout the season. Again, someone who we thought was a stud early on in the season may no longer be a stud, and vice versa. I mean, um, looking at someone like someone like DJ Moore, maybe you've got DJ Moore and OBJ in your lineup, and you're deciding between those two players. I mean, that's he, a good problem to have, I feel. It, but It is, but he they could be your wide receiver two option, and you're deciding between these two players. OBJ has the name. He's got the supposed better quarterback. He's got the potentially more explosive offense. DJ Moore, on the other hand, has gotten all of the targets. He's exploded the last couple of games, but people might be hesitant to start him over OBJ because of that little tiny glimmer of potential that he has. So, yeah. I mean, I, I mentioned in, in our notes too, like wide receivers you can trust. I think DJ Moore is one of those guys, the way he's been playing. And I think you can definitely trust Jarvis Landry because he seems like the actual number one there. And I think other people in the, in the community are saying that as well. I'd be more interested in, and this is just an example of like, you can cut this, who do you trust conversation a hundred different ways. Would you rather, if you had this decision, start OBJ or DJ Chark? Because DJ Chark definitely won you a lot of games down the stretch or early, like in the middle part of the season. You've got Garner Minshew back in the lineup now. When maybe we're gonna, we're gonna get to this with the the QB options, but um, but OBJ is clearly like a guy who is more talented just from historical statistics. DJ Chark. He's had much better season overall, but not as much recently. That would be a, a, a much tougher yeah, decision. That, that, that's about as close as you can get. And I think I think in that scenario, I'm going to roll with OBJ because this week specifically because of the matchup against Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati with Andy Dalton back in the lineup will have enough firepower to make the game interesting for the Browns Mm -hmm. and make it a little bit more competitive than maybe three weeks ago. Whereas DJ Chark is playing the Chargers who could very well get the Casey Hayward treatment, who has been one of the best cornerbacks in the last several years. And they, they have a ton more options. I think with Leonard Fournette, who is getting work in the passing game with D.D. Westbrook, Chris Conley has has played a role as well. Whereas in Cleveland, it's really just OBJ, Jarvis Landry, and a little mm-hmm. bit of Kareem Hunt. So th- there is a bit more concentration at the top, despite how poor OBJ is is playing. I think um, I think I'd roll with him in that scenario. Yeah, I, I good analysis for me putting on putting you on the spot. I think you could trust either of those guys, or you would have to trust a DJ Chark more than these other wide receivers. Uh, wide receivers, I think you can't trust the guys on the New York Jets 
And I'm a little worried about James Washington just because his, I mean, his air yards are great, but I don't know how many of those catches are still going to connect every week going into the postseason. Um, for all we know, Patrick Peterson's going to cover James Washington, and that's not going to be great <laughs> for him. Um, but it, while we're on this conversation of guys you are really confident in just based on you know who they are, less so like the matchup or the streaming capability, uh, any players that jump out to you? So here's the thing. The Rams are going to suck you back in to starting them, and you're going to be disappointed. I'm talking about Robert Woods, Jared Goff, I think the tight ends, because, again, they had this uh, other great matchup against the Cardinals, and they put it on them. They, they scored 34 points. They had one of their best offensive days of the year. Jared Goff had, I think, one of his career highs in, in passing yards and in game, and this week they play Seattle, who hasn't been a great defense, but hasn't been a terrible defense, and Jadavian Clowney can get pressure on Goff. We've talked all year about how bad the Rams' offensive line is, and Cooper Cup. I think you have to play him. He's one of those yes. guys who who is a star. Like he gets hyper targeted despite the couple down games he had leading up to mm-hmm. the Thanksgiving weekend. But the rest of these guys, I don't want to touch at all. We, I, I said it. This Cardinals game is the one game that. Goff is potentially streamable in the rest. I I don't want to touch him or or anyone else. Now, yeah. I think if the the one player players I guess I'm watching closely. I think Toggerly you probably can't start because it seems like he's back to getting his old workload. And mm-hmm. as a running back, he you know volume is king. And if he's getting 10, 15 plus touches a game, that's that's valuable and has a chance to find the end zone. Like I was saying, the the other guy I'm looking at is Robert Woods. He's got, I believe, over 850 receiving yards and zero receiving touchdowns, which is an absolute anomaly. He's like 100 yards away from having the most receiving yards in a season without scoring a touchdown. So you would think that is bound to change. But I think if he gets eight-plus targets again in Seattle, you can trust him again at Dallas in week 15 now obviously again that dallas defense is, has played pretty well but that could be another competitive game in which they're forced to pass the ball a little bit more but outside of cooper cup i do not have high expectations for any of the other rams playmakers throughout the rest of the playoffs for sure another team you mentioned to me that you know was successful early on in the season but have really fallen off as of late or the colts and obviously T.Y. Hilton, Marlon Mack, the main guys there. I don't even know what their injury situations look like at this point, but in terms of trusting players, one, if those two guys are healthy, would you put them out there? And two, are there any players that you would trust as like a fill-in, a streaming option, and a good matchup? Um, I, I haven't looked at who the Colts even play upcoming, but... So over the next three weeks, they play the Bucks this week, Saints okay. next week and the Panthers in week 16. So if I have Marlon Mack, probably not playing him unless I'm really desperate because the Buccaneers and Saints run defenses are so good. That said, T.Y. Hilton, I probably would trust as a maybe as a flex because 
he does have an extremely high ceiling and can get you those boom weeks like the rest of the other Colts receivers are non-existent at this point but yeah the one I guy I will trust on a week-to-week basis through the rest of the season is Jack Doyle he is the only tight end now that Eric Ebron is gone and has some some decent matchups the rest of the way so he, he's about the only guy and, and that you know part of that too is just because the position group at tight end is so thin that it's sort of scratching at the bottom and Jack Doyle's the shiniest thing that you see Sure, sure. Uh, well, that is you know some of our biggest takeaways, and we really and we really position that as you know what are we thinking about for the playoffs. So now let's dive a little bit deeper from like a positional perspective. Yeah, and I think a, a note as we're talking through this, and, and as we've talked about the entire episode, it, even if you're out of the playoffs, you can still be active and potentially win a consolation bracket, and hopefully. Some of this advice is applicable to owners in those situations too, like Andrew said, of potentially helping you avoid a potential sacco. You just got to win one more game. <laughs> you just got to win one more game. And, you know, Jeff Radcliffe tweeted something out earlier today about how players who are not in the playoffs should not be able to make any waiver claims and anything or anything like that because they're out of contention, their season is over. To that, I think it. I don't think that is correct at all. If if you've got something to play for, even if you don't like the point of fantasy football is to have fun and to win. And if you've got a waiver claim or something or waiver budget that you haven't used, by all means, go for it. If you want to screw over your rival that's in the playoffs, by all <laughs> means, do it. Like that's the fun of fantasy football. So with that, let's start with the streamer positions first, uh, with quarterbacks, tight end, and uh, a couple of defenses because those are really the positions that people are, you know, could be weak winning potential and how you're filling them in. So we mentioned the Jaguars who are going back to Gardner Minshew after a terrible game from Nick Foles. He, <laughs> he very well could have been the DiGiorno player of the year going up against the Buccaneers defense and scoring negative points but if you're streaming a quarterback are you willing to roll with him against the Chargers this week you know what I think I would be again all of these are situation dependent so we can't directly compare any player to another player but for my personal situation Minshew really helped me get some wins in a 14 team league of mine and I'm sitting with Uh, It was Trubisky last week, who I am not playing at all the rest of the season. And Daniel Jones in Yahoo has a questionable tag right now, so I don't know what's going on there. Um, I I would be interested in, you know, at least stashing Minshew. But if you got to play him against the Chargers, like, they're going to be throwing a lot. And Drew Locke was able to throw two touchdowns last week against the the Chargers. So I don't think it's a complete fade. But I'm sure there's you know, more options out there. Like, as I just mentioned, Daniel Jones, who's got some pretty juicy looking matchups at the end of the year. The Eagles who just got lit up by the Dolphins, like we mentioned, uh, the Redskins and, and uh, those Dolphins and the, and those same Dolphins yeah, that we mentioned. So uh, a lot of opportunity for Daniel Jones to hit his ceiling, which he has done a couple of times this year with, you know, the 30 plus point games. I think, to your point, Minshew is a better stash if 
you somehow have a bye week and you're still streaming quarterbacks. Minshew plays Oakland in week 15 and Atlanta in week 16. So two of the top five teams allowing points to opposing quarterbacks for fantasy purposes. I mean, Minshew came in at halftime last week and scored 10 points. So you double that and that's a 20-point game from them. Granted, they were... We're down quite a bit in that game already, and we're we're trying to come back. But he's got he's got weapons like you mentioned with Chark, Westbrook, Fournette, and, and all those players. So I, I think he does have the potential to potentially carry some some teams to victories. I think the other guy that we mentioned earlier is Ryan Tannehill, and I think he's the best quarterback streamer. Throughout the playoffs, I think you can pick him up if he if he is somehow still available, and he will be, I, I think, a top twelve quarterback playing the Raiders, the Texans, and the Saints, who are all again top ten in the league in bottom ten in turn or top ten in most passing yes. yards allowed or yeah. points allowed yeah. to the QB. Um, so so here's my my question for you because we. Again, I'm going back to stuff we said earlier. Dak Prescott versus Ryan Tannehill this week. Dak Prescott, again, plays the Bears on Thursday night away in the cold of Chicago. Are you playing Dak Prescott or Ryan Tannehill this week? Yeah, I mean, this is another... Because this is... This this is the who do you roll with. Like, Dak got you Yes, Dak got you there. He, He got likely got you to the playoffs because of how well he's played... Over the course of the season, but again, he's played two of the toughest defenses over the past two weeks and has not performed. Eh. I'm going to stop you there, Tom, (laughs) because last week against Buffalo, even though that looked like a shit game for the Cowboys in general, he still dropped 22 points. He had, you know, he had 6.88 against New England, but that's New England. And if you look at his game logs outside of that, you know, seven all the way back in week four at New Orleans... I think Chicago showed yeah, at least a little bit last week that they were exploitable because of the uh, the magic of David Blau. Uh, so I think that is a scenario where, I mean, yeah, you could argue, yes, it's a toss-up. Tannehill's got some interesting rushing ability, a bit of a floor there. But if Dak got you this far, I can't see myself benching him and then losing because of that move. Like that would kill me if I if I had Dak and and I'm just gonna you know throw him to the curb in my Week 14 matchup. Okay, well we've been making a lot of beer bets. Oh lately. boy, <laughs> you want to do a Ryan Tannehill versus Dak Prescott beer? Yeah, right beer when I start for, to uh, believe in Dak, he'll fuck me for uh, but for Week 14 only. Yeah, Week 14 only. God, that sounds awful. No, the matchup. <laughs> I come I'm on. not. It's different. It's how different. is that different? How is it any different? Because I so, so, I have don't okay. have any emotional attachment to Dak throughout the season. But but if if you think in your heart of hearts that Ryan Tannehill has a better shot at scoring more points than Dak Prescott, why wouldn't you start him? That is the point. Because you're telling yeah, we do need to take so emotion put, out. So put your <laughs> my money, money where my your mouth, mouth is. is and take the bet or say you would start Ryan Tannehill. Over Dak Prescott because that's what I'm doing. I've got Dak Prescott in one league and I'm trying to get Ryan Tannehill and starting him over Dak. Let me see these Tana stats. 
Okay, I'm taking Dak. <laughs> okay, beer bet. Let's do it. Okay, moving on to the tight end. I think this is really where you got to follow the volume, the, the targets. Even if the receiving yardage total isn't there, if you're getting five-plus targets as a tight end on a week-to-week basis, that's a better shot to fall into the end zone and have a decent game than someone who's getting one target and just happens to to fall into the end zone. So a, a couple guys that I'm looking for who have been who've played pretty well as of late and both in the AFC East, and, and that's Ryan Griffin and Mike Gusecki. Um, both seem to be getting the trust of their quarterback. Obviously, the Dolphins are just passing it all the time now because they can't run for shit, that's for <laughs> sure. And as bad as Darnold played this past week, they do have a good matchup this week against the New York Jets. Uh, Miami Dolphins. Oh, wait. Oh, <laughs> they play each other. Yeah, they play each other. <laughs> Sorry, I'm staring at Mike Kosicki right now. <laughs> um, so they play each other. I, it, they're both good matchups for opposing tight ends. So I think you could really go either way. But... Uh, the one reason I'm shying away from Ryan Griffin is because they play Baltimore and Pittsburgh in weeks 15 and 16. So if you can start Griffin now and potentially stash Kasiki or someone else, maybe David Njoku, if he's going to be back for week 15 because they play the Cardinals, who are a sieve to the tight end position, then I think that's a, a great combo to have. Yeah, you mentioned Gesicki, and I, you gave that benchmark of like five targets as a good thing for tight ends. And when you put it in that perspective, Gesicki has had at least six targets the last five games. He had uh, back-to-back games with seven targets and back-to-back games with a touchdown uh, these last two weeks. So I think that is actually you know trending in a good place. Uh, at first, the targets weren't providing as much um, in the points category, but now we're, we're seeing it a little bit more consistently. So I like that. And then I think uh, if you want to talk volume, then we got to bring up Jack Doyle again just because there's no one else there for them to target. And his targets in general just skyrocket when he's the only tight end there. He had 11 this week. So if you want to chase the points a bit, you have a, an option there. Moving on, let's talk about the final streamer position, and, and that's defense. And Defense wins you championships. So um, <laughs> here's the first question I'll ask you. If you have the Patriots defense and you're playing this week, are you starting them against the Kansas City Chiefs? You have to find a replacement, right? Yeah, like you have defense. To. So when it comes to defense and this trust factor that we talked about before, I think it's a lot easier to you know remove the emotional element from it because you're most likely streaming a defense. Even if you have the Patriots defense and they got you a lot of wins, they clearly haven't been the same against the, the more legitimate teams in the league. And you definitely, you can't drop them, but you do have to find a replacement if you're playing this week because uh, I would not want the, the Chiefs to drop a 40-burger on my defense that's in my lineup. So um, it, there's definitely way more variance in defenses as well. That's probably obvious to most people. 
so looking at other options is, is definitely something I'm interested in. I thought the Eagles had some pretty good matchups at the end of the year here, but we mentioned them and our DiGiorno players or that did not deliver. So I'm curious in, in terms of streaming, someone's most likely going to drop the Eagles defense. Would you go back to the Philadelphia well when they play the Giants on Monday night this week? I would. I, I think Daniel Jones has just been so terrible this year with with the, <laughs> with turnovers with, with turnovers and the, again it, it Evan Ingram is out like there a couple of their receivers are hurt Saquon Barkley hasn't played that well I don't know what happened they're obviously still in contention for the NFC East so they have something to play for it's not like they're just gonna sort of fall over and, and give up on the season so I I would if I if I were them I I probably would much rather consider the the Browns defense potentially against the Bengals. I mean I I, I know mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier in the episode that Andy Dalton being back provides a little bit of spark and but I I still think that Bengals defense is is bad enough that with Kalachi Assembly coming back from suspension could um, hopefully shore up that, that, that line a little bit, but hopefully. I, I think the Eagles are a viable option despite what they yeah. did this past week. Yeah, short term, short term memory. Yes. Um, I'm just looking at some other defenses available in our league of record that might be available. The one that I've been eyeing up and own in a couple of leagues and it's the opposite of the Patriots this week, it's the Kansas city chiefs defense and, if you're really in a pinch, I think you can play them against the Patriots because the Patriots, outside of Julian Edelman and James White, have absolutely no one that's a threat on that offense. I mean, Sony Michelle has been decent, but the Chiefs just shut down the Raiders, who, again, it, they haven't been super explosive, but they I, I mentioned it a couple weeks ago that they've been one of the worst matchups for opposing defensive uh, fantasy football assets. And I think if you can get by this week, the Chiefs play the Bears and the Broncos in weeks 15 oh, and yeah. 16. So I, I good mean, option. They're, they're, I think they're a really good option. It's, again, you've been if you've been streaming all week, have one of the best week 15 and 16 schedules outside of like the Dolphins um, who play the Giants and the Bengals. But... I certainly wouldn't trust that team. I, their pass rush has been great. They've had a ton of sacks in the past several weeks. They've been turning the ball over and are starting to, to get that mojo again a little bit and get back to the Chiefs of old. And when you have an explosive offense, it, it creates an opportunity. It creates an defense. opportunity and teams playing from behind, so they're forced to pass the ball, which leads to more sacks, yada, yada, yada. So, yeah. Make sure you're checking what else is available in your leagues. If you do, again, have a buy. Plan for next week. Do not be dormant. Plan for next week. Plan for week 16 too. I know it it sounds crazy, but you don't want to have to be reactionary when so much is on the line. So Yeah, it just in, in terms of playing forward, an article I love to look at is the it's probably the fantasy article that I look at the most often and it's fantasy pros let's stream defenses uh you can just google let's stream defenses week x and you'll find uh i believe it's jacob herlin does it every week 
uh, and he shows you know the best matchups and he really factors in like the over under what the spread is uh, and then it projects out points allowed sacks turnovers fantasy points so uh, he's got in the week 14 piece actually projecting out the best defenses for week 15 and week 16 um, so there's some interesting ones in there like the Packers versus the Bears so you mentioned the Bears are a good offense to uh, get that matchup against Packers play Washington this week so that's a good opportunity as someone to take you through the uh, at least the first part of the playoffs and you know you mentioned uh, the Raiders as someone that the Chiefs you know really put a pounding on uh, the Titans are available in our league of record as a defense they've been a better NFL defense than fantasy but something you could look at as well so moving on to the final two positions we'll stick with the the Chiefs and look at their running backs and the question is simple. Are you trusting any Chiefs running back right now? They they just re-signed Spencer Ware. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. To, earlier today, a couple hours well, ago. Well, no, absolutely not then. I okay. mean, the, let's just have hold, the discussion there because... Hold, don't drop if you don't have to. But I, you could. I, I'm not trusting <laughs> any of them in my lineup. If, if anything, I, you know, just drop it and pick up... I, I would... Let me put it this way. I would drop them to pick up a better defense... Four weeks, fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, you'll maximize your starting lineup because like that. I'm not going to trust them in my lineup, and then maybe you get someone else picking them up and trusting a, a an untrusty, <laughs> an untrusty, <laughs> an untrustworthy, <laughs> untrustworthy words. Hey, uh, question for a friend: We can drop Ronald Jones too, right? Yes. Or do you got to hold him because he's got some good matchups. He. <laughs> God, he's gonna, is he going to get the trust back? We're, we're doing this again. Is he trusty enough? He's He, in my mind, is more of a hold than the Chiefs. Okay. I, I don't I think that's a good start him test. because that that You don't start him this week, but they play the Lions next week, and then the Texans after that, which are they, plus matchups. They flip-flop that situation so much that it's yeah. so tough to Yuck. predict. But that said, the Chiefs just have more players in that backfield to potentially cannibalize the opportunities from one other player that I want to mention and you already mentioned them while Jordan Howard continues to miss time Miles Sanders is in my mind a low-end RB1 and you can plug and play him no matter what I mean obviously we talked about the juicy matchups in his first game without Howard a couple weeks ago Sanders had an 85% snap rate, Ooh-wee. which was the highest of any Philly running back in the Doug Peterson era. You know That's what, what he like did? <laughs> he followed that up the next week with another 85% snap rate. And then this past week had an 87% snap oh, rate. Yeah. So they clearly trust him. I, I think that he tops 100 yards rushing for the first time this season in week 14, uh, assuming Howard is still out, which is sort of the way it's looking right now on Tuesday. But Miles Sanders is finally getting that opportunity. And you never wish for players to get hurt. But this is, I just think, shown everyone who Miles Sanders can be. Yeah. And now we're just hoping for Jordan Howard to take his time with his recovery so he can get healthy again. Uh, Great thing about Miles, we're clearly a Miles Sanders podcast at this point. He's very involved in the passing game too, which is always great for your running back. The The only other guy I'll ask you quickly about, a, a guy who showed again that he's a playmaker on not-so-great team, especially in the passing game, Austin Eckler. 
do do you like him as a, as a flex-worthy candidate going forward? As a flex-worthy candidate, yes, because they play the Vikings this week. And as good of a run defense as the Vikings have been, obviously the, the Seahawks just ran all over them mm-hmm. on Monday Night Football, but Eckler hasn't done much in the running game since Gordon got back anyway. He's averaging 22 yards per game on the ground, but... He's averaging over 50 yards per game through the air and four receptions per game, uh, again, in those seven games since Gordon has returned. So I think because of his receiving floor, he is a very good flex option and someone who's got a a decent floor and has a, a moderately high ceiling with some touchdown potential. And that's what I like to hear. I, I, I like... Austin Eckler again for the stretch run beat because of that. So moving on to the final position, wide receiver, who which can be as fickle a position as any. And the first question I'll pose to you, and our producer will appreciate this because he's been battling this question <laughs> the past several weeks. And I'll leave it pretty open-ended. It, it, where do you land with the San Francisco wide receivers? It Sanders are at this point. Are you rolling with Sanders or Debo Samuel? Oh, I thought I thought Dante Pettis was an option. Um, just, um, <laughs> I, I mean, you could throw Marquise Goodwin in there too if oh, you God. want, if it so pleases no, you. Never mind, I'm kidding. Uh, just from what I've seen so far, I feel like I've got to go with Debo. I think he's been making more plays. You know, he showed up in the Ravens game last week, did he not? Uh, and, and I. I mean, it's one of those things where it could be a total toss-up, so it's hard to say offhand, like, one is definitely going to outproduce the other, but I think that Debo has shown he's going to be a factor in this offense for a long time moving forward, and I don't see why that changes the final weeks of the season when they're rolling. I I agree with you, again, in a, a matchup against the Saints who have allowed some points to the receiver, Debo, in his last four games has at least eight catches and 100 yards or a receiving touchdown. So he's got, a, he's been showing he's one of yeah, it's Garoppolo's, points the last Garoppolo's favorite targets. I mean, I think in the first Arizona game, everyone sort of thought that Sanders was the guy because he got nine targets and, and had seven catches for uh, one of his best games of the season. But again, we talk about having to be reactionary and, and switching perspectives. And I think you got to roll with, with Debo at this point. Yeah, I definitely agree there. What do you think of Will Fuller as a streaming option? Because I think he's out there in some uh, places now. And, and that could be like, you know, if you're doing that, you know it's all upside. And like if you're backed into a corner, uh, and he could win you a week, or he could crush your dreams. That That is potentially one of the most desperate plays you have to make. If you are really struggling and just don't have a reliable wide receiver two or flex option, if you're the sixth seed facing the three seed and really need a lot of upside and you're just praying for yeah, that's 100 yards and two touchdowns, then... I guess do it, but again, I again I'd rather play someone like AJ Brown than Will Fuller. Okay, who has but been they a little bit more consistent. They play the Bucks Week 16. 
which is what I'm really eyeing up. <laughs> if you can make it that far, it's kind of sexy. But I guess the Bucks have been better on pass defense lately. Anyway, we know who Will Fuller is. I, would you rather have him or Cole Beasley? Ooh. <laughs> Man, you're, you're really making it tough. It, give me Cole Beasley. He, he's been fairly consistent. He is one of, I think, three options in the passing game for the Bills. And they play a competitive set of games. I, I, this week, I'll probably take Fuller because the Bills play the Ravens, which is going to be a fantastic game. But... Um, you want to put a beer on it? Give me, give me the no, God, I no, I hey, have hey, zero man, confidence. Hey, so it's going to be a in, close game. Bills versus Ravens. Maybe Cole Beasley takes on that the the Debo uh, shine from the previous matchup. Anyway, uh, any other wide receivers you want to highlight before we sign off? No, let's uh, let's go get that first round playoff win for everybody. Hopefully, let's do it. you can. Uh, Swing your way into victory like Justin Tucker's leg did for the Ravens this past week. But for Andrew Mackins, who is at Andrew Mackins on Twitter, our producer Garner at Garther, I am Sam Hoppin at Sam Hoppin. You can follow us on Twitter as a podcast at Pod After TD. And with that, the Justin Tucker Big Trust Kick is good. They set out the field goal unit. Hawk, the punter, takes the snap. And in the toss. To the end zone for the touchdown to the place kicker, Jason Sanders. Come on. Oh, man. So it's the punter slash holder to the kicker for a Dolphins touchdown. I have never seen this. Oh, my God. What a very cool.